Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Our Librarian Life, a card catalog project at Plumfield and Pidea. Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft. I'm here with Sarah Masaryk, and we have our library ladies with us today, Sherry Early and Christy Stansfield. I love how you said that fast because you're not feeling well and you wanted to get it out while you could before you started coughing <laughs> <Yep>. again. <Yep. laughs> so friends, this is how much we love you. We're recording even though Diane is dying <laughs> over there. Oh. I probably won't die. <laughs> I hope not. We have things to do. <laughs> it would mess things up down here too. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, but I think I care more. So. <laughs> Well, Ken would beg to differ. He he would know where his priorities are. You finish up what you have to do and then take care of me. <laughs> oh, I do think of that a lot. You know, at Memento Mori, always know your death, remember your death. And I think a lot about what is it that I really want to have done before I die? <laughs> I actually think there's a, there's a question about that that can help us in our library work, too, when I get obsessive about details. And which questions to agonize over and which ones not to agonize over. And I'm sure Sherry and Christy, you will tell me that there are really no questions to agonize over. But you know what, I'm though? a little obsessive. <laughs> the day before we were getting ready to leave for a month was not the good time for me to start worrying about things that I hadn't gotten done. So I just thought, oh, stop it. You stop it right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about this basement. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's a great distraction, yes. right? It's a great from all the things that you're supposed mm-hmm. to be doing. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> well, Sherry and Christy, we're so glad you're here today and we're delighted to be recording this. It's kind of funny because last month we recorded two episodes because Christy's going to be busy next month. So now we're recording this one. So it's a little bit of timey-wimey stuff we've got going on here. (laughs) And I love it. I'm already confused. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that in February we are recording for February, but in March we pre-recorded something because Christy will be gone. So... (laughs) Okay. So I said I wanted to go first today because um, I don't have any particular reason. I just do. And <laughs> I think it's because I've spent the last few weeks with all the projects that we are involved in. My head is spinning. I don't know which end is up. And I'm starting to feel pretty well like a failure at everything because I feel like I don't have enough time to do anything well at the moment. And I'm trying to figure out how to balance Like, okay, I'm going to work on the library on on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I've told my patrons those are days I'm available. And I've told my children those are days that I will need their help. And we kind of plan our week around that. And then on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I'm focused on Plumfield. And, of course, Sundays, you know, we're trying to take a day of rest. So, but of course, it never works out. How's that working out? It never works out that way. How's that working out for you, Sarah? That's just too neat and tidy for me. Oh, my God. I mean, it's nice. It's a nice idea. (laughs) But so today we were running in town doing a bunch of errands and the kids kept saying, so what are we going to do about membership renewals? And I'm like, right, I know, because we're in February and I had patrons who joined in May. So it's coming sooner rather than later. It's coming the one year anniversary of the opening of the library. And 
you know, we're still like, we, we just took on a new patron two weeks ago. We have a new patron coming on Thursday. Like I'm still doing the processing of new patrons, let alone renewing patrons. And I was thinking about what Sherry had said about her renewals. And so we've given a ton of conversation over the last couple of weeks and today, especially to how are we going to handle renewals? There are a lot of questions to consider. When are people most likely to have money that they are most likely to be excited about renewing because they have money and they're ready to sign a contract for another year? There is. No There's time. no magic. No. I know. I know. No. And and when did they all join your library? Staggered. All right. It, yeah. Right. There you, right. Absolutely. So I think we're going to draw from Sherry's wisdom and I think we're going to, initially we told all of our patrons when we were first getting started, join anytime. All members will begin their contract on July 1st. That was our, for all the people who joined in the spring as we were getting our feet wet. July 1 is our beginning. So we think we're going to keep a July 1 renewal, but what do you do about all the people who've paid at different times? And so I loved Sherry's idea of prorating. And so in a member's first year, they can join anytime and we'll just prorate how much they pay in anticipation of the July 1 renewal. But I still have all of this year's contracts to deal with of people who joined in September, October, November, December, January, February, and so on. And so people who've already paid. So we're going, wow. <laughs> we're going to take an invoice of this is what the next year's fee will be. This is how much you've paid. Here's the prorated difference of what you're going to owe. Um, but it's messy. It's so messy to figure that out. Sounds like a job for a Notion database. Oh, funny thing. <laughs> 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 so I thought it would be fun to talk about, Sherry, how you came to your conclusion. Like, why did you use January 1 and, and how did you decide to prorate? But I also think it's just really important to send the message to other librarians that this question is always going to be personality specific. There's not going to be one way to do this. And we can talk at some point about one of the questions I posted in League the other day and the, the just total diversity of answers on I do it this way, I do it this way. And these are two ways that seem completely opposite. Or I don't even or do it. Or I don't it. even do it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So, Sherry, how did you come to the policy that you have? Well, again, I. <laughs> okay, is I this speaking joining... from the point of view of the lackadaisical <laughs> librarian? <laughs> is that where we are? Yes. <laughs> Versus the OCD librarian, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I, I wish my picture was sitting in between you two on the screen because then I could be. But Diane's right there. Good luck, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> I had people joining at all different times of the year and I was trying to get them to renew. And of course you have people who are very prompt at paying their bills. Right. And then you have people that you have to remind and, and some of them are good oh, people, yeah. but they're just really busy and da, 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 da. <laughs> so you four people who are supposed to pay you in November mm -hmm. and Two of them do, and one of them do, two of them don't, right. and you get into December, and then you have two more that are supposed to renew. And I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. It's like all, you'd be an I accountant just, the whole time. I just, 
ah. <laughs> and so uh, I said, no, we're going to do it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't remember what I did about people who had already paid for that year. Yeah. And uh, I just changed it to January and said, we're, I'm, the memberships are going to be for a year mm-hmm. and this much money and that's mm-hmm. it. Um, and I did it in January because it seemed like September and August were too hard for people. Too to, many back to school fees and things. Too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And or they just were already, distraction. Yeah. They were already paying for all this curriculum yeah. and co-op and blah, 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 blah. And then, I didn't want to do it in May or June because people were going on vacation right. and stuff and doing, and so I just said, okay, January, <laughs> it's a, that's a year. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's not the best time either because people are trying to still try to pay for Christmas, but, um, yeah, I was like, should we yeah. do it March 1st? Because that's just like in the middle of everything, but there's no like fees at that time of year. You're not, you haven't, paid for summer school fees yet you haven't you know you're not paying for you're not not buying a lot of curriculum yet or you might be thinking about it in a curriculum way yeah but it's so random (laughs) march 1st just feels random to me yeah (laughs) january nothing's going on in january right right you know yeah nothing's really going on in january everybody's hunkered down at least those of us who live in climates where you want to hunt oh, yeah. <laughs> but there's going to be some of the newer librarians that have actually started their membership at a certain time and they got all their members in at the certain time and being able to just keep going like that is is going to work great for them yeah but then there are those who just kind of say well we're going to close membership and then <laughs> Are you looking at me? Happens. I'm looking at the shop behind me there. The library pirates take over. I, as I keep saying, best membership drive ever. Close enrollment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I did have when when I started out. I said, "Well, you know, I I only think I can handle about twenty families yeah. or something yeah. like that." And I so I told people that I was going to I was going to close enrollment at twenty or twenty five I don't remember, and I had people coming and say, "Are you are you full yet? Are you full?" Yeah, I think it was an enticement for. I think it it made people feel like their spot must be valuable. So you've you've communicated a value that people are like oh I do okay yeah I can understand that value and if I don't take it somebody else will so it it spurs them to action I I, this is I guess the other half of the whole when how do you handle the, the renewals conversation is also like that same question Sherry how many families can we handle and how do you know what that is and and then how what do you do like I genuinely I'm at 29 or 30 families now and I'm trying to figure out how to caretake all of them well some of them require nothing of me I mean I do have one or two who've never come to the library at all so you know they 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 bought their spot and then they it didn't fit for them for some reason and they're fine with that so that's okay but the families who do come most 
end up coming more often than they anticipated, which I think is fantastic. It's healthy. But I don't know. I want to be the librarian who knows what every kid is reading so that when they come in and say, Mrs. Masaryk, what do you have for me for this month? Oh, I've been saving this for you. I want to be able to do that. I I want to be the librarian from all of a kind family. You know, I want to be that librarian who knows and cares about her patrons. (laughs) And I wish that our listeners could see the faces of the other two librarians. (laughs) And and here is what I will say to that. That librarian, it was her full-time job. Right. I know. And we are not... As much as we would like to be some mm-hmm. days, yeah. periods of time, we are not full-time librarians. We are not full-time teachers. Right. When we first started homeschooling, that was something that a lot of us who started out in the early days had to come to grips with. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that we could not put on ourselves the type of situation that we thought we should do because we weren't full-time teachers and that's all we had to do. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. were moms first. Right. Right. Caring for a family first. Right. So yeah, that's. And, well, I would also say that you can do more than you think you can and, and less at the same yeah. time. Um, when I was a school librarian, I had 300 kids mm-hmm. that were, using my library and and it was my full-time job mm-hmm. so that's part mm-hmm. of it but I knew most of those 300 children mm-hmm. I knew what kinds of books they wanted and what kinds of books they read and stuff like that so you can you have the capacity for knowing a lot of you know if you want to know this specific thing about right people right at the same time, you can't handle 300 no. families or 300 children no, no, because no. of a lot of different a reasons. A lot of reasons. Right. And I'm very blessed because I have three really dynamic helpers who legitimately, like they, they are, this is a passion project for them too. And so I very often won't know every child in a family, but I've got, uh, you know, there are some families that my boys, they they know those kids from other things and they're like, no, we need this and then we need this and we need this. And then they're able to caretake those families. I don't know how I'm going to sustain that though, when they start leaving the, the nest. Um, but I suppose God will provide oh, they'll, for that too. They'll, they'll train you pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> they'll train. The thing I wanted to say about Sherry is I bet she didn't get to know that all 300 of those children in one year either. Right. But I bet you saw them over the years as well. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sarah, you haven't even been open for a year. I know. I know. I'm an idealist. I know this about myself. I'm also a realist too, right? Like I ultimately am sending that with a heart. I know. I know. Totally. I'm sending that with a heart. (laughs) Well, and I'm only expressing it here because I think it's the kind of thing that I think a lot of new librarians are probably struggling with. These are the kinds of questions. We want to do it well. If we're going to do this, darn it, we want to do it well. And I'm glad we can talk about this and you can say these things to me because then they can hear it too, that this is not like we have our dreams and those can be goals and they can be values that guide how we operate, but they also have to be things that build up over time and we have to be realistic about it. 
Um, so, and and librarians need to know. Librarians who are starting out need to know that there are libraries where they limit themselves to ten or twenty families, right. and that's all they will take. Right. And there are libraries where they uh, private lending libraries where they take anybody who will come, and they. Um, one librarian was telling me the other day that they run between 40 and 50 families. So, um, and they don't have a limit, I don't think. So again, we go back to the same thing again. This is your library and it's going to take you some time to know what you can handle and what you think works for you. Right, right. And I, I have found now every family who's requested to join since the middle of December, each family I've prayed, and there were a couple of families who reached out, but they reached out in ways that just didn't feel quite right. And so while I did not say no to them, I didn't pursue them at all. I let I just let it play out naturally versus the other families who, when they reached out, I prayed and it felt right. It, it, I felt led to those families. And so I was a lot more enthusiastic in my responses with them. Um, so I think that there is some, some, you know, some wisdom in letting the Holy Spirit guide you. But it is, it is funny, friends, because I really did think we were going to close enrollment. And people kept saying, oh, I know you're closed, but... <laughs> or the really fun thing was the I have a patron coming this week who found me through the BiblioGuide's private lending library directory because she's in a Facebook group for good for good Christian book reviews. And somebody in that group linked the private lending library directory. And she said, oh, look at that. There's a library in Wisconsin and it's right near me. And it is like we are 10 minutes apart. And so she didn't even know when she went to look at the directory and the card catalog and the article on how to have a private lending. She didn't even know that the person she was reaching out to as the librarian was the person who was running those things. So it was very, very funny. Um, and I thought, well, okay, how am I going to say no to that person? <laughs> Clearly the Lord brought that person to me. <laughs> so, so funny. So that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to say that right now we are chewing on the question of how to start to turn the corner into year two. We're going to do one other thing. We had wanted to do an annual report because um, we don't have investors or anybody that we have to report to, but we thought it might be nice for librarians and other people in the community to know what it is that we have done this year and have some data just for the, you know, just so we have our own record. And we were trying really hard to get that done in January, but with the holidays that just was tough and so we made the decision that no we're going to do it on the anniversary of our opening so we'll have that annual report come out in may instead so that's my big news oh and we finished inventory we did finish inventory yeah that's that's what you were doing (laughs) who needs an annual report when you're trying to do inventory right exactly we thought inventory was more important So we gave that the preference. (laughs) Just over 6,300 books and only 21 are missing. So, and that's pretty great. I think so. I especially think that it's great because I think some of those 
are books that went home with little tiny helpers who thought they were helping. <laughs> so, because some of the ones we're missing, I'm like, yeah, those are on the low shelves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So who wants to go next? Well, I was thinking about today and I was thinking, you know, I'm not doing anything exactly that's new or special, I don't think. But um, what I am doing is regular library work. I did, and I was thinking about scheduling mm-hmm. work and the, the, the schedule that you said you have where you do um, three days a week of library yeah. work and three days of, of Lumfield. other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, I wonder how other people schedule their library work or how they decide what they're going to do. There's so much to do, there right? There's always, there's all these things to right. do. And so how do other people decide what they're going to do this morning, yes. today, yes. Or tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, and how I decide is <laughs> what I feel I'm doing today. <laughs> um, I don't really... Which is good and bad mm. because um, I finally, finally got around to this morning cutting the Mylar cover book covers for some of my books that I'm finding in inventory. When I'm doing inventory, I'm finding a lot of books that need the dust jacket yes. covered with Mylar. Yep. Yep. So I'm pulling, I'm putting those aside and I've been putting them aside and putting them in a stack and putting them in a stack. Because, and no uh, elves are coming in behind and fixing them for you? No. I don't often feel like covering books, books with my I love books that are covered with dust Me jackets too. with my book covers. Mm-hmm. Because and I think it goes back to my childhood. Mm. When I was an elementary school child, I would almost not check out any book that didn't have a plastic cover really? on it. Because I thought those were the good books. Because <laughs> somebody cared enough to I, cover I them. I had it in the back of my yeah. head somewhere that those were the good books. <laughs> and so I, that's all I would check out. And I still like the feel of that. I know some people don't oh, like books with I love dust it. jackets on them and stuff. Yeah. They just don't like they don't like having that on there, but I do. Especially if it has a plastic covering over yeah. it. So I like having them, but I don't like doing mm. them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy to put that off. Um I don't know. Um Maybe I need a some kind of self discipline. You need a show, um, like that. A show. See that that was for me. The only way books get covered for me when we were doing inventory, and there were so many books that needed repair and cover. Like they were, they needed a cover because it was to you know secure the book a little bit better. I <laughs> I had decided to start watching on PBS Passport masterpieces, Miss Scarlet and the Duke which is a Victorian um, female detective and police story. I love it. 
It is so it's clean and it's it's fun. It's like all creatures. It's just very, very refreshing, moderately wholesome. And it was so good that I was addicted. So I was like, give me another book to cover. Give me another book to cover because then I could justify (laughs) watching my show because I was being productive. (laughs) Ah. So find your poison. (laughs) Yeah, that might work. I do listen to I do listen to podcasts sometimes. Oh, well, I'm that works too. Things, so. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see, what else have I been doing? I've been doing inventory, mm. but I'm not anywhere near where um, Sarah is because you've done what? What did you say? Six that five thousand sixty three hundred. But six thousand. I have a team of four, and our catalog is way smaller than yours. So. I mean, and I've done a little over two thousand so far. So uh, I'm, I'm actually proud. That's of that. incredibly. You should be incredibly proud. Yes, <laughs> I haven't done two thousand by myself. I can assure you. <laughs> no, you have to boss the crew. Yes, right? exactly. Well, and, no, no, no. And all the other no, things. we have to be real here. Greta bosses the crew. <laughs> oh, that's oh. As we tell all the patrons, this is really Greta's library. She just lets me pay for it and work here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is quite valuable because I'm finding a lot of books that are a, a lot, you know, uh, out of. Mm-hmm. 2000 maybe 50 that need that need book covers and maybe that many that are not even in the catalog yeah and i need to get them in and get them barcoded and all that kind of stuff so and just some you know mistakes here and there and stuff like that so yeah it's such a such a healing process i think to do inventory because it is a very living system and it has its issues and the library itself is a living system with its issues you have a lot of people in your library things get moved around you are human you make mistakes and by doing inventory it's just this refreshing way to fix the system or heal the system a little bit so that it works better for you well and I'm I'm getting to see books that I hadn't thought about I think I I found some books today I thought I didn't know I had that. <laughs> Forgot <laughs> about that I one. Tend think, I tend to think that I know in my head somewhere all the books that yeah. I have, but but I don't <laughs> anymore. We kept thinking, oh, why isn't this one on display? This one hasn't been checked out. It needs to go on display. And so that was inventory two was prompting us to say, we we need to draw people's attention to this and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I agree. It's like shopping your shelves is fun. <laughs> yay so christy what about you what's going on with your library well my library got a little bit hampered by the fact that i had a bit of a slip on the ice and so that kind of cooled my jets a little bit for physical activity yeah for a while but i'm i'm here to say that i feel almost totally recovered i'm not picking up heavy boxes good but good. i can pick up stacks now mm. and um so i and it has been really cold so the hi- hibernation library was <laughs> hibernating yeah. so i was i was doing some computer work and and uh enjoying biblio guides and and um just kind of 
plumbing its treasures, mm. working between BiblioGuides and, and my catalog, because my catalog is, is a catalog, but BiblioGuides, I can actually learn a little bit more right, right. about what the books are, or if somebody's written a review, or um, if it's on somebody's list, mm -hmm. because we all know there is nothing better than a good list. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I'm doing some prep work along the lines of one day, maybe being able to um, bridge the gap between the two mm -hmm. with, for the library patrons use for education on their part, because they're not going to get any education much out of my catalog. No, exactly. Your catalog is really right? for you. I mean, yeah. So our, our listeners won't know this yet, but in, in January, we four sat down with Tanya and Sarah from BiblioGuides and had a really wonderful conversation about ways in which BiblioGuides could be really helpful to librarians and ways in which we use it to aid in our libraries. So we haven't aired that podcast yet. That no, that comes out next that month. Was a, but that was a little teaser. Yeah, that's a little teaser see, for next see what month. I did there? See what I did? <laughs> but what what is neat is that um, they've taught. One of the things they talked to us about was ways in which we can share how we can have accounts for our patrons and how we can. They are going to be developing a model in which we can put together lists inside of biblio guides that we can share with our patrons so that they can shop our lists of books we already have in our library. It's kind of a fun thing. And so it's fun as we were talking with them, Christy and I were realizing that really library thing is for us to organize and manage and find our books. But BiblioGuides is going to be the place where we can help our patrons understand why these books exist in our catalog. What's so special right. about them. Right. The catalog is more of a mechanical yeah. kind of thing. It's an organizational tool. Yeah. It helps us get our job done. It helps to point our patrons in the right direction. You know, you can use tags and collections and things like that. But for education right. and research and, and just plain good stuff, mm -hmm. you know, the, the library thing catalog isn't, isn't, going to uh, serve that function. No, it's so <laughs> I um and it's intimidating. So I had some time because of that conversation, I had some time for to let that percolate in my brain Yay. when since it was parked on the sofa <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and to play with your biblio guides and get to be more familiar yes. with all of its power, right? Absolutely and and to start looking at the newsletter mm -hmm. and the weekly mm -hmm. time sink, mm -hmm. as I call it. And like this past issue on Saturday, I guess, was a new series that they had yes. started. And I looked at that and went, I've never seen those before. Yeah. So, of course, you know, there you go. <laughs> rabbit trail. Down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yep. But anyway, so then we had a, a couple of nice days. And so yesterday... I came back out to the library and I started um, playing a little bit. I allowed myself a little time, which I did not overdo. Good. Right. We were concerned. But, yeah. And I'm, I'm still, you know, pursuing the uh, picture book project mm -hmm. of trying to get them all in one place. And as I was doing that, I was trying to answer the question. Here's the burning question. 
in addition to Sarah's burning question, <laughs> how do you make space when there is no space? Mm, that's the perennial million dollar question. Yes. And sometimes you stand there and you go, maybe you can't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's only so much you can do. Mm -hmm. But I figured out a way. So I, I need, when you sort books, you got to have something to sort them on. Right. <laughs> and if I, if I weren't in a building that was already crammed with stuff, I could set up a table mm -hmm. and that would be ideal. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't have table space in here because I'm covered with shelves and I need to work in the area that all these books are in because it would take me an hour to cart things around as I'm trying to oh, yeah. get through the aisles and around the corners where the book boxes are stacked. And a waste so of I energy thought, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, so I just started looking around and going, okay, well, what do I have? And, and then I saw that I had books that were shelved at the edge of the shelf. And I thought, aha, there is stacking room. <laughs> so I could shove. So these are all chapter books and they're, the beginnings of the general fiction section, mm -hmm. which to answer that other question that came up in the league, the historical fiction is going to go right in the middle of all of that. I just, I, I don't even have the, I, I think that's one of those looking at the end of your life and what you want to get done. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing I will have to let go and just put them all in fiction because I've got too many other more important things irons in the fire. That's awesome. I'm so glad you said that because I bet between the four of us, we all have a different answer to that question. The question being, Absolutely. where and how do you relate? How do you manage historical fiction? I have it in my history shelves and I have it right integrated right next to nonfiction. Sherry, where do you have yours? I have it in my history shelves also. And, um, biographies, history, and Historical fiction are all shelved Me together. too. And picture book biographies yeah. as well. I just feel like if a family is doing a unit on the Civil War, they want to get all the right books uh -huh. for all the kids and free reads and school reads, right. the whole thing. Diane, what about yep. you? Where are you putting your historical fiction? I have put a lot of it in with the history, with the nonfiction. But I okay. can't say that I have been adamant about it. It kind of depends on what it is. But I do have a lot of the picture book biographies are over there and um, – but there's just a lot of it that I haven't really thought, okay, now this must go over to the history section or no one's ever going to see it or anything like that. <laughs> so Sherry might be lackadaisical. I'm not quite sure what to call myself, but I'm not uptight. You know, I still consider... Your Sarah brain has not engaged. <laughs> and it probably won't because I'm getting old right? too, but... You know, I still have less than 2,000 books. I can sit there in my room and look around and see all of them still. So I'm not too mm -hmm. worried about where they are. If somebody were to ask me for something, I would pretty much know. Know where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I have to recant a little bit because we decided that Hilda von Stockholm might be historical fiction, but she's not getting checked out in the, histor in the history shelves. She, we need to have Hilda all together with Hilda, and we need Alta all together with Alta. So, we pulled them yeah. into favorite author shelves. <laughs> so, Christy, but See, you're doing there. You go. You're doing fiction. You're putting historical fiction in I'm with fiction. In with fiction, and 
I can use labels. Yes, you can. And put a date on them. I can use fine labels and put a date on them. And and I I will say that the history sections that I already have established, like ancient history and Middle Ages, already have their historical fiction in them. Ah, got it. Got it. So I just threw those all together because those are, in my mind, they're easy. Yeah, well, they they really are. Ancient history yeah. is ancient history, yeah. you know. But when you get past exploration, much, it's just all you know. I I can't. Well, go that's there. kind of what I was going. So, <laughs> I'm not going. I there. was going to ask if that's if if that isn't kind of a fine line with a lot of things. Is how much fiction could be classified as historical fiction because every story is taking place in some point in time. Right. Are there right, some right, right. Just, where I'm going? Uh, well. I, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so that's very right, clear, right? right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And some of those in ancient history and middle ages are purely fiction. Uh-huh. Right. That are just imagining themselves in that time period. But Sherry, I bet you can give us a really good definition about how we think about historical fiction <laughs> and making it different from general fiction that takes place at a time in history. Oh, good. Go right ahead. <laughs> yes. Go. Well, I don't know about that, but because there is there is some give in all that. Um, I have little women and little men shelved in general fiction. Me too, yeah. But you could put them in historical fiction, I suppose. Don't muddy the, the I- waters there. No, 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 no. Let, let's, <laughs> let's, come on, let's grip this let's shake it a little bit come on well the idea is that the author wrote something not in his own not set in his or her own time period mm. but like yeah they wrote something set like um tale of two cities by dickens is not set in victorian right. england where dickens lived it's set in during the french revolution right. um it's not that far back from his time but it is historical fiction mm-hmm. and that it it references a specific historical event or person mm-hmm. or something yeah. to that effect right. yeah so but still they're just books so you have to just decide and i was going to say that half of the thing half of the reason that i have my historical fiction in with the history and biographies is because I have no more room in my general fiction <laughs> show. Oh, that's very specific. Thank you. So sometimes, <laughs> you know, you watch it's you watch all these YouTube channel uh, personalities who are all about decluttering, and they always say, you know, the 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 container is the bad guy. It has to fit in the container. Not in library life. We just, you know, we just decide it goes into a different container. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. No, no Swedish Swedish death cleaning your books, friends. Please don't do that. No, 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 no. That is entirely exempt. <laughs> so anyway, back to so I found some space in the front of all the books that are the beginning of the fiction section, mm-hmm. the general fiction section. So I'm shoving them all back in all of my infinite wisdom over the last few years of collecting, I decided to create a sunlight shelf that went with the sunlight books. Well, that became like a bookcase and two. Yeah. And so 
Now, all those books are going to end up in the general fiction, but they are where they are right now. Um, but some of those shelves I'm moving the books off of so that I can create empty shelves to then start making alphabetical piles of picture books by author mm. so that I can start to see how many I have to go in each section so I can figure out how many bottom shelves and maybe one shelf up yeah. that I, I need to actually shelf those picture books. And um, so that's what I was doing yesterday is just starting to pull books off the shelf. Like you guys do inventory only I'm looking at them going, okay, here's a B and here's a B and here's an H and here's a, you know, making stacks and a couple of times going, Oh, where'd I get that? Hmm. <laughs> Especially if it didn't have the, the posty note on it because the posty note librarian has been really good the last two or three years. <laughs> Every time she touches a book, she, she looks in library thing and she puts a posty note on it mm. to, to make, to show me that I have touched it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. within the last two or three years. So I just started moving them over to the empty places I made, which actually jams up the, the fiction shelves. But now I opened up, I sent you pictures. Yeah. I opened up two or three empty shelves in the picture book area that I can now start making alphabetized piles. And then when I do that, a lot of those books I, I had cataloged before I picture book preschool came on my radar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now I get to go and discover which ones of those yeah. belong in the picture book preschool section. And <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> so why did you choose to go alphabetical by author? Was that so that you wouldn't know where to find it? Well, you got to start somehow. Sure, sure, sure and sure. And just to, just to get all of the books by an author together... No, no, and I will tell you, this is a Sandy Hall thing. Mm. A few years ago, I sat down with her and, and said, okay, you, we need to make some videos of your library. Just just do it, mm -hmm. okay? And so she went around her library and took different sections. And when she was in her picture book section, she said, you know, I used to just have all my picture books there. On the shelf, all the B's were together, mm -hmm. you know, and all the C's were together and all the D's were together. And, and then she had her award winners separate. on a separate yeah. mm -hmm. section. And she goes, you know, it got to the point where I was spending a lot of time looking for a certain book because the B's are huge. There were a lot of right. them. Yeah. Right. And she said, so that's when. I started alphabetizing and it has just made it so much. Oh. Um, so I keep that in the, that that's in the back of my head. You know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I might as well just start out that way. If I decide to do something different, you can, can. right. Well, and when they're, but, uh, when they're alphabetized, it's really easy to then adapt to. If you find another system you want, at least you can find stuff yourself very, very quickly that way. Right. Sherry, how are yours right. organized? Your picture books? My picture books are alphabetized by, well, they're <laughs> alphabetized by author's last name. Yeah. But I have different sizes. <laughs> I have different sizes of shelves. Right. So I, the way my shelves are built, the top shelf in my picture book shelf is only about 
Oh, how, how tall is that? <laughs> like 11 <laughs> inches or 12 inches or something, right? It's not Maybe very, not even not, that, yeah. No, more like nine. Not even that. <laughs> so for those little picture books like um, like Beatrix Potter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. So those are all alphabetized in alphabetical order by author. And then I have another set of shelves that are alphabetized in alphabetical mm-hmm. order by author. And then I have a set of tall shelves. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, I have to look in three different places sometimes <laughs> to find yeah. to yeah. find the specific book. Usually, two different places because I know about what size. Yeah, it is, yeah, usually. typically. Yeah, Diane, yeah. what about you? How are your picture books organized? Alphabetical by author's last name. So I'm the only one who doesn't alphabetize. That's interesting. Mine are uh, topical. What's the matter? Won't won't Greta let you? Well, no. It's this is how the paper, <laughs> this is how the little kids use it. So we have, first of all, we use magazine files so that they're just small sections so we can find very quickly, and we have those labeled so we know which ones are which, and then that's tagged in library thing. But so I have multiple magazine files of vehicles and I have multiple of animals and princesses and you know I'm I decided to think about it the way a child would (laughs) I got in touch with my inner child and went if I were six years old and I was looking for a picture book about what would the about be so you know trains are one the general vehicles are another that kind of thing I like that, but what do you do about the books that don't fit in any of the We have we have about we have about twenty of them that are considered general, and we have favorite authors. Only twenty, I know, so far. Only twenty. Well, because oh I'm rather OCD, so I chalk <laughs> off. I know. I, I tend to think I love to put things in their. Ca- I love taxonomy. I love categories. Right. So, yeah. so we do have you know like. Leo Leone has his own sleeve. Picture book uh, or um, Purple House Press has multiple sleeves. Um, so favorite illustrators, you know, Stephen Kellogg, whatever. So and then we have multiple Caldecott ones because I remembered what Sandy had said about award winners. And so I have multiple Caldecott sleeves. But we're now starting to shop all of those sleeves to pull first we're doing a scholastic project, and then we're also going to do picture book preschool. And so we're starting to shop those shelves and pull those into a different system. Okay, Steve. But for me, it's all... Here's the what? problem with categorizing like that is that it drives me crazy that they don't fit. And that is more frustrating to me than any of the other ways of doing it. Fair. <laughs> totally fair. 100%. I get it. Absolutely. Totally yeah. get it. And I would... In, in putting myself... I, in, you can get... So yeah, far putting myself in the place of a child looking for Go a picture ahead. book, I never looked for books that were about something. I just looked at all of them. See, I, I, I got to say, I got a lot of little patrons, and they know which sleeves are their favorites, and they go... To the princesses' sleeves. Don't you have more princess books? Don't you have more cowboy books? I mean, it's really wild, but they really do. Yeah, well, and there, there is the huge divide mm-hmm. between what you're doing and what I'm doing. Oh, for sure. Because Different. mine is more librarian and mom focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and yours is a child patron focused. Well, and you can even see. And it makes perfect sense. The way ours is set up, right? I, I loved in the old libraries, the old children's libraries where kids would go and those picture books were all right at their level. And so we built the Calax 
we built the calyx into a square with a little door in and the kids go and get lost inside there and that's picture book land so like it's a complete you're we have totally different end users in mind exactly right that's the and i would say stop obsessing about princesses and try something else Yes, you would do that. Yeah, That's true. You, you would. would. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, and there's something. Something you said. There's something to be said for that. I mean, that if I've, somebody else was saying that they don't allow their patrons to put books on hold oh. because they want them to come into the library and see all the books oh. and get different ideas of what mm-hmm. what they could check out, and so. You know, a child who's fixated on dragon books, you might might need a shelf that has other things on it so that they can, well, can get out of that. But yeah, I totally agree, absolutely. And so there's, I mean, I think no matter how we do this, there's going to be positives and negatives. I think. I am, I'm an old school teacher, so I'm really good at looking at a kid and saying, nope, that's what there is. Pick one of those or pick something new. <laughs> and I'm also really good at saying, hey, but have you tried this? Oh, but you like dragons. So did you try fairy tales yet? You know, so I'm very good at like, what it, what, what do you call that? Um, well, sliding them to the suggestive next Suggestive selling. I do love. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Suggestive <laughs> selling. That's, that's perfect. But I think you have to have that personality. And so it's, again, all of this is personality driven. So um, the other thing is I really want, when because the way my library days are set up, it's rare that I have one family in the library at a time, right? Typically, I have 20 to 30 people in my library at the same time. So if I am going to have fit patience and focus, the patrons I'm most interested in talking to are eight to mom. The, the, the picture book readers, I'm less focused on. So that's why I wanted picture books to be so self-serve, you know, just totally self-serve. Because I figure little kids, they're going to get bored waiting for mom anyway. They're going to go explore the rest of the shelves. Versus the bigger kids who are, who are threatening to be at that place where maybe if you don't have what they need, they might stop reading or they might not check out books. I'm always trying to keep that middle and high school kid at the table. So I'm always wanting to be super focused on them. And so that's where I just put my energy, frankly. Well, I do have one little practical thing in, in the, um, on the topic of making space where there is no space. <laughs> I, I forgot that um, I have, you know, when you'd go to the, the cafeteria or something and they would have the, the serving cart. Yeah. Yeah. It would have three it was yeah. on wheels and Absolutely. handle it have three levels. Well, girls, they have them and they fold flat. Wait, what? Because I bought one and returned They're, it. I I didn't know there was one that folds. It folds flat. I, I actually bought it to help myself at the consignment sales oh. because I needed a place to, to to be able to stack some books up and roll them down to the other end of because there was a lot of walking involved and and so I had it put away and I just sort of stumbled over it the other day and it's just sitting there all folded up it stands by itself all folded up and it's plastic Mm -hmm. so it's very very lightweight and that's what I was looking for is something that I could heft into the car myself yeah 
that's lighter than a box of books. You can have to so, give us that link so that we can put that uh, in yes, the show notes. I, I bought it on Amazon and, and it was, you know, 50 or $60, but it was worth every penny. That's awesome. Yay. So, Diane, what about you? You're not even at home. You're not even at your library. Right. So my library is closed right now because no one's there. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess last week while I was trying to get packed up to go, I was trying to think, okay, who has, I don't have very many patrons, but do they need to come one more time before I leave so that they'll be happy? So I had one family come like the week before and I texted her, is everybody okay? Because I kept saying, take some more books, take some more books. And then um, Mm -hmm. a couple of them came uh, on the same day, just a couple days before we left. And that was fun because they they were taking them. Take some more books, take some more books. Mm -hmm. Because I was loading Mm -hmm. up my picture book preschool mom. And we were digging out everything we could find. That's right. And then one of the other moms came with um, her little boy who's just starting to read. And he's older than most kids would be at that stage but um i kept going come over here by the big um the i can read books have you read this one because they have a lot of books at home have you read this one? Oh no i haven't read that one well you gotta have that one you got you like berenstain bears but you don't have the the bike ride you gotta have the bike ride and his mom's going oh, oh. that that's probably enough i'm going I don't know. Gotta have the. You don't have this one. Uh-uh. You don't have a fly went you by. Have you have to have a fly went by. And so he probably took a dozen <laughs> books home. And it was just that's that's kind of where you know my heart is anyway. Is those kids who are just starting to read. Like, yeah. what can I do for them? And that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I so that was that. most of it. Just making sure that I didn't leave anybody hanging because they all knew I was leaving. But I don't expect other people mm-hmm. to remember my schedule more than 30 seconds after I tell them. So I just wanted to be fair because like when I set my fees, I, I took that into consideration as long as my husband keeps getting elected to the legislature, I have to figure that time slot into our yearly calendar Yeah, that I just won't be there. And there's nothing I can do about that. So I just, I want to be really fair. So just one more thing to think about while I was trying to get ready to go. <laughs> but now that you've done that once, because you know, like last year going to Cheyenne for the first time, the, all those unknowns. This year, you knew what you were getting into, but you have this library now, and so next year you'll say, "Okay, I know what I need to do in January. I need to do X, Y, Z." And... Season true, yeah. right? Right, and then every time pro. I think that's <laughs> true, something changes. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that is the whole point of all of this. Mm-hmm is because these are private lending libraries run by families for the most part. Right. Even our family dynamics change Absolutely. over time from year to year, mm-hmm. educationally, uh, developmentally. Mm-hmm. And, and then after they're all gone and we have, I mean, out of the home, we then have our focus outside of the home in grandchildren or in their lives and what they're doing there. And then we're getting older and we have to find out what our limitations are. Right. right. Especially at night when it's 
icy outside. Yeah, and, you, you know, should not. Things like that. <laughs> things that you should and shouldn't well, do. When and, uh, you paid to have the groceries delivered, Christy. You didn't need to go down the driveway to go. <laughs> so along, oh along goodness. that deep philosophical line. Oh, which, which I hardly just, ever you, go to, so you might as well cut that part out. <laughs> La- one thing oh, I learned last year, we're staying in the same place. It's an Airbnb, staying in the same place. And it was a little frustrating. It was an eight-week stint that time. And there was not enough silverware. And so mm-hmm. I don't mind that's mismatched. I understand how that happens. But it just wasn't adequate. But I didn't do anything about it, really. But I thought, I'm keeping that in mind next year. I'm taking a set of silverware. Yeah. So I packed my silverware and some sharp knives. So I get here and we're unloading everything and I open up the silverware drawer and go, <laughs> they bought a new set of silverware. They replaced? <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I was just so adamant about, I'm not putting up with that again. And there's this lovely set of silverware in the drawer. <laughs> oh, maybe next year they'll let you control the thermostat. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> because I will have packed all of my Arctic clothing and they'll go, ha, got you this and, time. And just space eaters. <laughs> <Yep>. and- <laughs> well, and I think that that's also just such an interesting uh, philosophical thought about all of this. You know, the other day I asked in the League of Lending Librarians group a question that I sort of know my own answer to, but I thought it might make for good, interesting discussion. And you never know what you're going to learn, you know. You never know what somebody's going to say and you're going to say, oh, yeah, exactly. I should be doing that. Um, So I asked the question, how do people handle due dates? Do you have due dates? Do you not have due dates? What's your period? Um, What's your renewal schedule? You know, how do you handle all that? And it was just so fascinating to hear the real vast diversity of answers, but also the the answers are correlated to things like library hours. So one, one librarian has checkout is for one month. She's open one day a month. And so if you check out on that month, it's due the next month on that, on that one library day. So for her, whatever she had decided, because she only has one library day to manage, her answer is going to be completely different than the answer of mine where I'm open three days a week. It's just completely different. I happen to know that that librarian used to be open more than that in the past, but her life situation is such that this is where she is today. And, you know, the library has to reflect who you are and where you are. And, um, you know, I wanted to tie that into some joke with the silverware, but I can't. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> otherwise, you keep trying to set yourself up to do things yeah. that aren't what you can handle mm-hmm. at the time, no matter how perfect or wonderful or good mm-hmm. those things are. Yeah. Well, and that's why I like to think of this library thing as a ministry rather than a business. Yes. I mean, I do charge a fee, mm-hmm. and you could, people ha- have on their Facebook pages sometimes uh, a day or a time for posting your small business mm-hmm. advertisement or whatever, but I never feel like I fit quite into that because it's not really no, a business. No, it's not. 
I'm not making any money for what <laughs> the IRS would not say this is a business. <laughs> You're not supposed to lose money every year. A money pit, maybe. Yes. Yeah. But beyond that, it, it I don't think of it that right. way. I don't think of myself as, um, as trying to market a product mm-hmm. or, or, do, um, because it's the ministry that I'm called to right now and it can change. Yeah. And I think if it were a business, it would be like, I either I'm open and I'm doing this business or I close it, yes. you know, yeah. but, yeah. but as a ministry, I can think this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm called to do right now. Next year, I may be called to only be open one day a month because of circumstances changing or something like that. And that's okay because it can evolve. It can evolve, right. In a different way than a business could evolve, I think. I don't know. And I have to think that when we embrace it as a ministry, we are rightly inviting the Holy Spirit to be the great contributor to the conversation. And so... If the Holy Spirit's in charge, if we let him be in charge, then we can trust that where we are and what we're doing is what is necessary for the people that he has called to us. So if one day a month is what your family life or your physical needs or whatever it is, if that's what you are supposed to be doing, that's what you're supposed to be doing. If you're supposed to be doing three days a week, then you're supposed to be doing three days a week. And the Holy Spirit's going to help to make that clear to you. And you won't be shorting the patrons. You won't be, you won't be, you won't be cheating them. Like Diane saying, you know, she was, when she was thinking about her fee and everything, she was thinking of the fact that she is gone four to six weeks out of every year when her husband is at session. That's the point you're called into you're called to do this and if you're called to do this then you're called to do it with exactly who you are and what you have yeah yeah this has been fun ladies it seems like it had been a while so it was nice seeing you again thanks sherry and christy this is so fun ladies i'm so grateful uh that we get to do this each month because i feel like even if i don't know what i'm going to say or what we're going to talk about i love that Uh, There's always something to be learned. And I just walk away from these episodes feeling really encouraged in what we're doing. Just I feel a little bit happier and healthier about it. So (laughs) thank you for uh, thank you for affirming my insanity. No, (laughs) you can count on us. (laughs) I, I love your libraries. I love how different all of our libraries are from each other. I love how much we encourage each other. I really hope that librarians who are listening in feel like they're getting some encouragement as well. And friends who are listening in, if you're trying to discern whether or not the librarian life is for you, we invite you to come and check out the card catalog or find us on social media or join the Groups IO group. You can just reach out to us and we can make sure that we connect you to all those things. We think that there's some great opportunities to explore this idea and figure out how to make it your own for your own situation with the books that you have, 
the people in your life that you have, the space that you have, and the calling that God has put on your hearts. And so, friends, we also really encourage you to subscribe to the Shelf Notes, whether you're a home librarian or you're a private lending librarian. Strive each month to fill the Shelf Notes newsletter with information that might be brand new, uh, might be just really valuable because it has some technical things in it, or it might point you to things that have been going on that you might have seen and lost track of. And we want to make sure that you have a way of tracking that those good bits down. So, friends, the link to subscribe to the Shelf Notes catalog is can be found in the show notes. And subscribers to Shelf Notes are also entitled to a free download of our Princess and the Goblin book club guide. So if you're curious about that, again, information in the show notes. So friends, it's a privilege and an honor that you let us into your homes. And we appreciate how much that you are listening. We also appreciate it when you come and find us and encourage us with your comments. That lets us know a little bit more about what we can do to serve you better. So if you have questions or comments, we relish those. Go ahead and send those our way. Until next time, friends. 